Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And this is now episode number three that we'll be working on today. The third one, the Power Trio. Yep. And because it is Easter week, we decided to go a little bit on a short week, to, since we normally record these on Sundays, we won't be with our families that day this week. So we decided to do a quick turnaround and base our theme off of that. That's right. We sure did. So this week, we are picking songs that are shorties. So not an abnormal size length. This week, we are going for any songs you have to choose have to be between two minutes and two minutes, 30 seconds. Yes. And we actually didn't talk about this, but both kind of understood that they have to be songs, not like intros to other songs or, you know... Not like instrumental interludes between right. tracks. Right, yeah, no, nothing like that. An actual song, a full-length song that just happens to be short. So, yeah. So, yeah, with all that underway, um, let's get started. Dan, what do you got at number five for us? All right, so for my first pick for a song between two minutes 30 and two minutes comes from the legendary Beatles Revolver album, uh, released August 5th, 1966. This song is Eleanor Rigby, um, the first song by the Beatles to be only strings. There are no guitar, no drums, no piano, no accompaniment from the band, essentially. It is just entirely Paul's vocal with some of the other members supporting on background vocal and a string ensemble uh, that was found by George Martin. Probably my favorite song on a very underrated Beatles album. It is absolutely my favorite Beatles record. Um, is it? It really is. I Whoa. love Revolver. There are so many great songs. There are so many songs on this record that fit into our time category as well. Yeah. But this is the one that is. I just feel like it's perfect. It's just strings. It's a very dark. Um, like the Beatles didn't get super dark very often, especially not this early. Yeah, not, not in their at this career. Um, you know, we're a long way from Happiness Is a Warm Gun. Yes, we are. Another favorite of mine. Absolutely, absolutely. But this, I think, certainly the darkest I ever heard Paul write. Mm-hmm. Um, until we got into Helter Skelter and songs like that. Um, and really experimenting with the White Album. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was my selection for number five. Yeah, and would have been probably in my top five until Dan showed me his. And I realized, um, yeah, that I, I, I had to give, give way here. So. Oh, our, our hard debate of what Beatles song to choose. Yeah. Probably one of the hardest yeah. <laughs> the hardest decisions to make in my countdown. What's made it easier for me is because there are so many other good ones. And I did forget to mention this before. We are doing specifically two minutes to two minutes and 30 seconds. So shorter than two minutes is going to have its own podcast. So there were, surprisingly, a large number of Beatles songs that still fit that criteria. And you may find this one much more enjoyable because when we get to that list, mine will all be agoraphobic nosebleed songs. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to. Yes, I do. All right. So with that, um, that brings us to the end of my first pick. So Dave, why don't you tell us what your fifth pick is for this week's category? Awesome. So coming in at number five for me is Pager the Lion's Foregone Conclusions. Um, another quick song like all of these are. Um, very different, I think, for them it it's the song that really got me into page of the lion because it's probably the most like accessible to just a, a person who isn't a fan of them already um 
I'd been hearing about this band for a year or two, and, and some people I respect a lot had told me that it was their favorite band, and put the record on and liked it. But when I heard this song for the first time, I was like, okay, I can, I can really get into these guys. Um, it's a it's a song. It's a strange topic for a song about him having a conversation with a very religious person who can't look past his only goal and talking to him about religion. Um, so it's got some funny lines about that in here. Um, let me actually pull one of those up real fast that I wanted to share with everyone. I know Dan's a huge fan of this band, too. We actually saw them live together. We did. That was, I think, so in a year of great concerts that we saw, I still think that may be the best concert that we saw. When David Bazan decided to reform Pedro the Lion as a three-piece, yeah. and he moved over to bass. So it was just bass, drums, guitar, and they had incredible light show. Um, if you got to see that tour... You know exactly what I'm talking about. Super powerful. Did a little bit of Q&A, which he is typically known for doing uh, between songs in the middle of the set. Yeah. And just absolutely, my favorite part is, my, my favorite page of the line, while I do also love Achilles Heel, is obviously my favorite is Control. Oh, so good. And that concert was basically just, it was essentially Control and other hits. Yep. Control, which probably doesn't have a single song under five minutes. Um, <laughs> I looked. It does not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, That I think the lights were probably the most shocking part of that show. Just an unbelievable job, man. And he was hilarious up there, like, yeah. as, as he is known to be. Yeah, just, just an awesome song by a band that's now one of my favorites. And any song that I can confidently say is the reason I listen to them deserves to be in a top five of some kind, for sure. Absolutely. And Bazan just, I feel like his voice gets richer every year. Yeah. As he slowly just becomes Randy Newman, <laughs> where his, like, his, his lyricism gets more biting and satirical. It's just, it's really enjoyable to hear. Can't wait for Toy Story 6 for him, his, him to do the soundtrack. <laughs> when he then. just steps in to fill those shoes, man. Yeah. Singing old James Taylor songs. Amazing. All right, Dan. Uh, what do you have for us at number four? So for number four, I decided to get us moving a little quicker here, get us out of our seats, get us up and running with a song that I initially heard from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater when I was a teen. Uh, this is Bad Religion You. Is this on the original soundtrack? No, this is actually from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Okay. Which Tony Hawk's Pro Skater won, obviously, the legendary groundbreaking soundtrack, I mean, but it also only games. featured like 15 songs on there. Yeah. So you would hear those songs a lot, a lot, a lot. Yep. But the big reason that I think I adopted Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 soundtrack so much more is that you could take the game out of your PlayStation and it would also function as a CD in your Discman. So that was right on the bus with me every day. Come home from the bus, pop it back in my PlayStation. Start hitting, uh, you know, hitting the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, just being punk as shit, listening to punk music, skateboarding all over buildings, just ah, fucking ruled. Oh, uh, absolutely. And no control. Uh, originally released November second, nineteen eighty nine, on Epitaph, which is owned by uh, Brad of or Brett. I'm sorry, yeah, Brad. Brett of Bad Religion. Um, so this was essentially a self released album. Wow. Um, came out the year after I was born. Um, so I didn't hear it, you know, growing up in high school. I wasn't cool enough to, you know, know about Bad Religion before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because I was 12. Yep. So this really Fair. was my first big exposure to uh, punk music. You know, I had heard The Clash and I had heard Sex Pistols from my dad who showed it to me. But those didn't really have that, like, speed and ferocity that I was looking for. And then 
while still having Greg's really smooth vocal uh, was really interesting to me. And, you know, it made all I wanted to do was skateboard and hang out with my friends. Yeah. Um, and this was the soundtrack to that for me. Yeah, it's also like not very punk rock to learn songs from your dad. Like you got to find punk rock songs on your own yeah, for them you to can... truly be punk rock. <laughs> no dad can teach you punk rock. You no. can't trust anyone over 30. No, you can't. <laughs> All dads are cops. Everyone knows that. Yeah, well, hopefully that's Hopefully our kids don't say the same thing about <laughs> us, but they for sure will. They 100% will. I'm not going to let my kid, you know, drink Boone's Farm in the back of a parking lot and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my dad didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's specific enough to have happened. <laughs> it's you know it's it's the wild times when you it's punk you know, rock man. It's your your first taste of rebellion. Your first mm-hmm. you know you and some of your friends you get your little driver's license or you get on your bikes and you're allowed out and you can you know <laughs> you just it's it's a perfect soundtrack to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so with that, that brings the close to my third, my fourth pick. Sorry. Okay. So, uh, Dave, what is your next pick for the countdown? All right. Um, coming in at number four for me is Song 2 by Blur. Uh, one that I didn't remember being especially long, but also didn't remember being this short. It clocks in at two minutes and one second, which is... Oh, just under the gun. Just, just made it. And for a song that's as popular as this one is, it's kind of wild to... to um, to see it be this short i mean this is definitely at least in the states has to be their biggest hit um so it's kind of wild for somebody's most popular song to be this this short and this different from most of what the rest of them sounds yeah, this like. is this is definitely not a good representation of blur's quote-unquote sound right if you haven't listened to blur before uh outside of this song it, it, it sounds nothing like this. Oh, it's brilliant Britpop. Yeah. Uh, Coffee and TV, still one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, and this one is just, I mean, I, you've heard this song your entire life. It's a its a really good song. It's also a song that's just mocking um, grunge music and the record industry. Dan, you brought up a good point about it, uh, mocking Nirvana earlier. Yes, they, uh, they uh, there's interviews that I've read of them believing at the time that like you know the nirvana just stealing the pixie sound of the loud chorus soft verse and just really having nonsensical lyrics and this is blur's take on that yeah and they this is damon alburn <laughs> spitting in the face of that idea and apparently they re- recorded an acoustic version and decided to speed it up and and make it kind of a mockery of grunge in I, addition to just like mocking the record company I and really then, wish I could hear the unplugged version yeah, of this song. It's just him whistling the same <laughs> yeah. one, apparently. Um, so apparently they like they recorded it like this and didn't name it and sent it to the execs and they loved it and they were like, "You gotta put this out." And they're like, "All right." And they obviously song two is not a real name. They just called it that, but it ended up being two minutes and two seconds. I think having two verses, two choruses, it just it just coincidentally fit that it was song two everything about it was so i greatly believe in sacred numerology and i believe that this song will bring the apocalypse Dave. oh good well at least we got something to look forward to at least it'll at least it'll have a killer soundtrack at least it'll have a killer soundtrack <laughs> all right uh dan what's number three for you all right so number three for me comes from a what I would consider virtually unknown band. They really kind of were born and died in obscurity. Um, the biggest claim that I saw them from was I watched a video from when the 
Fest in Florida was still going pre-pandemic. Um, several years ago, right around probably 2007, maybe 2006, of this band performing in someone's kitchen. And it looked absolutely incredible. I could hear these like insane guitar solos, and the band is called Hour of the Wolf. And the song is called Black Blood Transfusion off of the album Power of the Wolf. Um, they're a band from Arizona. Um, I don't really know too much about them aside from they were signed to Lime Kiln Records, which was a small indie label that is from around the area that me and Dave live. Is it really? Or Dave and I. Sorry. I was going to say, is it any relation to Lime Kiln? Box? Yes, it absolutely is. Huh. Um, so much so that when I... Uh, a few years back, I remembered this band and I was like, oh man, I'd really love to see if I could get a hold of any merch. And so I called the guy working at the record store that I do. I said, hey man, do you guys have any like boxes of merch or anything left over? And he drove to our record store and gave me a box of CDs. Holy shit. And like a couple shirts and stickers that he just had laying around that he was like, yeah man, he's like, I'm really excited that someone still likes this stuff and is still after this record. I just thought it was really cool. So cool, <laughs> and uh, very much like uh, definitely very uh, a misfits ripped kind of sound, um, very spooky kind of horror movie lyrics, very Danzig esque. But I think the big winning feature of this band is these big honking like Chuck Berry surf rock guitars that are on here. That like it almost seems like for every every shout out, every call out, there's also this equal like incredible lead line that comes in with all this like chorus on it that's just like a huge ripper it reminds me of old school rock and roll guitar over top of this like kind of goofy misfits meets descendants punk rock song that really elevates this record to a next level and it's some abandoned record and song that i always keep in my back pocket to pull out whenever people are like oh what's a song or band i should listen to i'm like oh you you haven't heard this i can almost guarantee you've never heard this band not to be that that dick but, <laughs> but but you know everybody has that one band that they got really into that none of their friends were into and nobody else you don't really hear it anybody from anybody else or anywhere else unless you're playing it yeah and that is that song for me and it's it comes in at just under at 217 nice two minutes 17 seconds so it is a blistering little piece and it sounds lyrically like it's about heroin but I found from an interview I discovered with the singer of the band, it is actually about drinking coffee. Oh, so, so it's like the opposite of 1975 where you think all their songs are love songs, but they're about his heroin addiction. Yes, this is actually a song about coffee. Cool. <laughs> I like it. You know, as you will with rock and roll. Yeah. And so with that, uh, that brings us to Dave, your number three pick for favorite song at two minutes, 30 seconds to two minutes. All right. Up for me at number three is Figaro by Mad Villain. There's so many songs on this record that are short and part of what makes it so incredible. But this one is just, it, it's it's perfect. It's so, one of my all-time favorite songs from my favorite rap album ever. Um, I just, everything about this song, his lyrics are so insane on this song. You have to read them because there's not even a way to like highlight everything properly. Man, is this just just one of my all-time favorite songs. So for those of you who don't know, um, it's a combination of the producer Mad Lib and MF Doom, the rapper. MF Doom unfortunately passed away 
think in October. He passed away on Halloween. Yeah, that's right. And and his wife. And they didn't tell anybody. Yeah, they didn't tell anyone until New Year's Eve. That's right. And that was just like crushing. I have, I have the double vinyl of this. I put that on the second the tweet came out and was just like, just sad as shit. So. Um, but real quick, I, somebody had a really awesome write-up from them on Reddit that I just want to read some of because I thought they just did an awesome job um, summing the, this group out who only ever put out this one record, which is the biggest shame, I think, in music history. They had been working on one for forever, but it just never never materialized. You, uh, you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice. No, you, know? you can't. It's, it's that, that brilliant, like, right place, right time. Yep perfection yep so um from this this write-up on reddit the guy says mad villainy went against the grain of all popular con- conventions in contemporary hip-hop short songs dirty sound no choruses with lyrical themes that weren't clear to anyone on the first listen so i think that's a great way to kind of sum this up and what they did and and how incredible it was and this is like this i feel like is like a lot of like your favorite rappers favorite rapper kind of thing like i've always seen most def talk about him and a bunch of not that most def's my favorite rapper but just just as an example there's a lot of people that really respect these guys especially knowing that this came out in 2004 you know what i mean that was the height of the really like the height of the you know having the pop star sing the chorus to your song you know this is when everybody was you know every song was featuring ashanti or ciara or you know had kelly roland on or had 50 cent or had like it was all about having these like big hook choruses to go along with your verses Mm -hmm. to get on the radio and they just didn't even have a single chorus and not a single chorus on the entire record and I really love the whole effect. Now, I don't know if they recorded it properly or if they just added it after, but it sounds like vinyl playing the whole time. You can hear that surface noise click and pop through the entire album. So yeah. even if you're listening on CD, you're getting the experience Mad Lib wanted you to have of sounding like you dropped the needle on a record. Yeah, it's also, if you're into this sort of thing um, and spend a lot of time on whosample.com like I do, um, every sample from this is like good song in its own right. There's just so much, and they'll, they'll do like five in a song, and you'll look all of them up, and they're all incredible songs on their own. So it's like it just adds a whole nother level of of incredibleness to to what's all, already a perfect record. So I just love it. I always have. R.I.P. Doom. R.I.P. Doom. All right, Dan. Number two. All right, number two. So number two is. Uh, I believe my earliest song that I'm choosing. Uh, I'm going way throwback with the Queen of Soul. That's right. I'm going Aretha Franklin. And the song is Respect. I I mean, there's nothing you can say about this song that is negative. Uh, originally released on I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You uh, from Atlantic Records. Um, and this single was released... Um, in April 16th of 1967, so just a couple days after uh, when I was when I was born, but you know, uh, 35 years ahead of it. Um, so this song, I mean, originally released by Otis Redding uh, from Stax Records, is uh, a song about you know, oh, I make the money and I do everything. So when I get home, you need to respect me and give me some loving. And the gender flip of Aretha saying, you know. I also like the idea that I don't do anything for you 
is insane. And I also deserve respect. And it's it's so much better. It's one of those few songs where the cover, I believe, is better than the original. And as I told you, Dave, Otis Redding is my favorite soul singer of all time. Yeah, he's probably mine too. And I believe that this is the better version of this song. The background vocals, the horns, the saxophone solo, perfect radio hit. If this song comes on and you're not singing along to this, I believe you don't have a pulse or you're the dumbest person in the car when it comes on the radio and I'm in it. Yeah, you can just get the hell out. Yeah. 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 Tuck and roll, bitch, because like you're out of this ride. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if this song came on and you reached for the radio, I would take your hand off. Yeah. Like it's that perfect. Not off the radio, off your body. Off of your body. Yeah. Absolutely. That is definitely what I will sever your hand from your body. Yes. Just so we're clear. Um the background singing, it's like I love it adds so much to it of having the chorus women behind her. Uh, just with the suck it to me, suck it to me. It, there's so much energy to it. You just want to dance as soon as you hear this song. Um, I, I couldn't have picked a better a better song by Aretha and it's just fantastic. Yeah, um, man. Especially off of an album that really has so many incredible songs on it. But this is just, it's perfect. So Anytime you can make a song that's like, you know, essentially making some kind of social statement that can also be played at every block party in the world, you've done something right. Yeah, every block party, wedding, bar mitzvah. Yeah. Like, if they're... If there are people there, this song should be this song. Yeah. This song should be playing. Absolutely. Okay, so with that, I will throw it to you, Dave, and you let me know what your number two favorite song for two thirty to two minutes is. All right. Uh, next up for me at number two, we have "Shot Down" by the Sonics. Now, this is another song that got me into the band, and I first heard this at a party. I don't even remember where. But it just came on, and I just—I was just like running around trying to figure out whose iPod it was, so I could find out what the name of the song was. <laughs> Which one of you did this? Yeah. And I had—I had heard about them, um, but we're—I'm dating myself. <laughs> we um, are not—not not young twenty-year-old dudes. So there was a time in our lives where like you couldn't just Shazam something, or you heard about something on the internet, but the songs weren't necessarily like available on there for you um yeah unless you wanted to like download them illegally which um you know we never did we never never did did that we never once did that nope um but it just it just when you are in that and you can't just go to spotify and put on a song you don't always remember to do it or come back to it so i finally heard them finally heard this song and was like this fucking rules this song came out in 1966 i can't imagine People's dicks were completely blown off when they first heard this record. Like, it is so much heavier than what everybody else was doing. Yeah, it's very, it's almost, uh, it definitely, the singer gives me, like, that Eric Burden kind of vibe, that little, hmm. like, wild man. Yeah. But um, it's it's so much more so. It's almost like a, uh, yeah, it, it almost reminds me of, like, that, like, little Richardy like, wild with the, with the craning, like, screams and everything. Yeah. Um, the drums are mixed so loud. It's really great, man. The drums, I've never heard this song before. Yeah, so the drums are actually recorded with one microphone. Just an overhead mic? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yep. And um, there's Black a quote. Black metal style. Yeah, 
There's a quote from Kurt Cobain where they were asking him about drum tones, and he was just like, yeah, that Sonics record, like, that's still the best ever. Nobody's ever played drums that loud. Which is funny because, like, that's probably what people say about Dave Grohl and what he did in Nirvana, because that dude could weigh on some drums. He sure could, man. I mean, that that intro to, I mean, just just on Smells Like Teen Spirit alone, just that pet it's a pet it's a pet it's a pet is, He's so good. I mean, I don't I don't play drums. I'd love to be able to play drums, but if I could play drums, that's all I would sit around playing. Yep. And if that's what this is the song that inspired that, then I'm all ears. Yeah, man. Um and again, just like like one two track recorder with one microphone got that drum sound. And the band's great. If you've never heard the Sonics and you like punk music, definitely check them out. These guys were a huge influence on punk. I mean, that song came out in the sixties. Like definitely big proto punk energy, man. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Like this is what you know. This is what your guys like Joey Ramone, your guys yep. like uh, you know Sid Vicious. You're you know, not Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious listened to nothing. It was a nihilistic junkie. But <laughs> your guys like Joe Strummer. Yeah, and real you know punk laureates and artists. Uh, yep would have been listening to coming up and that's what established yeah. their version of what rock and roll should be. I also believe Anthony Bourdain was a fan of them. So that should tell you something. Uh, another RIP. I know. I'm getting We're getting upset. down here yeah. this week. All right. Well, on that note, Dan, what do you have for us at number one? All right. So if we're talking about the greatest song to come in at between two minutes and 30 seconds and two minutes, there is only one artist to me that matters for songs that I want that are fast that are aggressive, that are loud, and that are just incredible. Guitars, drums, vocal, bass line, everything. And that band is Converge. My all-time favorite, favorite heavy band that exists. They do not have bad records. They have not ever done anything disappointing to me as far as their releases. And this song is their magnum opus. I believe probably their greatest song ever released and also happens to fit into our little bracket here this week. So I'm very excited. It is off of the 2004 album, You Fail Me, released by Epitaph Records, their first for the label. The song is called Eagles Become Fortures. This song has the greatest opening 12 seconds of any song that exists on the face of the earth. It's fast as fuck. It just opens with an incredible drum fill into a roll, into everything stops for the riff to come out to play with everybody and then just ends with a big old bend and everything comes back in at the same time also it's bass guitar drums jacob band is screaming the lyrics for the song over top of it and like the gang vocal between him and nate in the chorus is just absolutely perfect this song is a absolute fucking Hadouken level fireball of energy and then once you get into the latter minute of the song slows down into this big heavy booming with this whiny guitars over tops of just filling the empty space with these big fat guitar one note bends from Kerpaloo and then immediately back in with all the gang vocals bass and drums it's, I mean, I like if I have to explain to somebody why they should love this song, <laughs> I feel like there's no reason for us to talk. It's well, just there's definitely going to be people who aren't into heavy music, but oh, for anyone who is, 
there's no reason you you shouldn't have Converge as one of your favorite bands. Absolutely. This is, I mean, I don't, I know a few people that do not like Converge and like heavy music Hmm. and they just don't make sense to me. I don't understand it. Like, I know there's a ton of people that are like, oh, screaming, I don't like it. Like uh, that stuff that doesn't do it for me. But then like, I'm like, you never just had a bad day. You never boiled over. You never felt so compressed that you needed to explode. And like, this is, this is the song, man. It's the, there is no, there is no filler. They trimmed every ounce of fat off of a normal Converge song, which are also great. But they were like, you know what? Take that out. Take that out. Literally intro, bridge, chorus, or verse chorus bridge end and it's just it's all right yeah i mean everybody you're lying if you haven't had a shitty day where you didn't want to go full full marshawn lynch and run through a motherfucker face (laughs) over and over and over so yeah just put on some heavy music hang out in your car for a minute and you're good put on converge if you even it's it's a perfect soundtrack if you're working out if you're running Play nothing else. This there is no down tempo. There is no time to breathe. There's no air in the song. It's just uh yeah. it's just if if you could make a song that was the embodiment of uh it's that song. <laughs> so with that The only um, the only issue is that it's so short, so hopefully hopefully our listeners can run a little well, longer than two minutes and eleven. You know, seconds. it's perfect for circuit training then. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So with that, Dave, why don't you take us to your number one pick for our shorty week here. All right. Number one for me is any and every song you ever downloaded from Napster and LimeWire that was uploaded incorrectly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's the Beatles. I've just seen a face. Um, we talked about the Beatles already. It's best band ever. And there's so many songs that we could choose from here. It was between yesterday and this for me, and Dan, you said you would have gone yesterday, but I, I gave the edge to I've just seen a face because it's a little bit more upbeat and something about it. I don't know. I just wanted it on here. It's a it's a fantastic song about that that spark moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is always which is always great. It's that, and I believe this is a I believe this is a John song. No. Oh, Paul. this is a Paul. Oh, okay. a Paul song. That definitely makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, yep. Paul being the the more lover of the two. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's got more clever lyrics than you would think for a song that they wrote when they were like sixteen. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's awesome. Also weird that they wrote this when they were in the Quarry Man. Quarry Men. That's what I meant to say. Um, so when they're like sixteen years old, they wrote the song and they didn't put it out until their fifth record, which is crazy. Um, but I guess, you know, they had other really awesome songs too. I wonder if it's like one of those that like no one else in the band believed in it until they finally, you know, maybe he brought it to George and was like, look, this is a song I've had in my back pocket for a while. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Um, also first fully acoustic, first fully acoustic song they ever recorded. Um, also doesn't have any bass in it, which is pretty unusual. Um, oh, and something else I didn't know. It was originally, it, it came out in the UK on Help, but for some reason they removed it from Help when they released it in the US. Really? Yeah, and then they put it out on Rubber Soul here as the first track. Huh. I don't know why they would do that, but they did. 
Yeah, it's really strange. Especially, I always, I always thought of it as a, as a help song. Same, because um, I didn't buy the vinyl when it came out because I was like negative thirty. Um, <laughs> But it's always been on help on any like CD or streaming service that yeah. I've ever had access to. So, so do you think that maybe it's because they thought Rubber Soul needed like a lovey, dovey classic Beatles like hit on it, mm. and it didn't include one? So that was like a like a label decision almost. Hmm. Like they're like, look, guys, this is pretty cool, but people aren't gonna buy this whole record based off Norwegian Wood. Yeah, like we need we need something for the kids to bop to. But would they have had all that recorded and ready? Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. Maybe it uh maybe it couldn't. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is that's an interesting theory, and I love my conspiracy theories. It's like when um you're a kid and you're watching like a Phillies game with your dad, and he's like, "Oh, they scored eight runs today. They should have saved some for tomorrow." It's to say, yeah, oh, can't, yeah. can't throw eight hits on this record. Yeah. You we can already save got, some for next one. We already got plenty on help, boys. You yeah, know, you know, yeah. Spread the love. Why don't you give some help to that next one? Yeah, ex- maybe. I like to when, think of it When that you way. started delving into your hippie bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, one other quick fact. Uh, it's funny. I was deciding between this and yesterday, and they were recorded on the same day, which is really fucking <laughs> impressive. Not because they're like, the hardest songs in the world, but just because like, it's just crazy to me to think that like in one day, both of those songs got recorded. Yeah, Paul just showed up was like, let's just bang these out. Yeah. Look at me. I'm incredible. <laughs> watch, watch me do this. Yeah. You, yeah. you guys ever hear me? I'm the most prolific songwriter in American world yeah. history. <sighs> I love him. Think I can't go back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, that does it. Quick, Quick turnaround, quick songs. Um, tell us what we missed. Hit us up on our social media. Yeah, let um, us know what let your, us know your favorite favorites. songs of under 2.30. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at Lukewarm Steve Austin. On Instagram and Dave at at DF Hughes Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you'd like to hear this week's songs without any of our witty banter or input, uh, the weekly playlist can be heard on Spotify. Search under D&D Music Factory for playlists and you can subscribe to make sure you get notified when the list comes up each week. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.